Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 124, Permission. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach, a 16-year military wife, and a mother of six. I love working with flowers, playing games, and going to the movies, and I'm a huge fan of my husband and kids, sleeping in, and everything about food. I have created this podcast as a free resource for military wives who want to improve the experience that they are having while their service member is deployed. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you're in the right place. I am recording this podcast episode today from my vacation in Mexico, which I'm just having a blast down here in Cancun with a bunch of some of my best friends from high school. We're on a couple's trips. So we have no kids with us and there are 12 of us down here and uh, we're just having a blast. We've been going on lots of adventures this week, but today is a, like a relax at the resort day. And so I decided to take a minute and record a couple of podcast episodes so that when I get home, I'm ahead instead of behind on some of my like February plans and goals. And so I can do that favor for future Jesse by taking an hour out of my relaxing vacation morning to record a couple podcast episodes. So I'm really happy to be here with you guys today. And I just love this topic of permission. And basically what I mean when I say the word permission is that we have this concept of the word permission where it's, you know, we give our children permission to do something. We give ourselves permission to do things. We give other people permission to do things. We are seeking for permission from others so that we can do things or think things or believe things, right? That's where it starts to get a little a little interesting. And once we're on to ourselves with some of these patterns, because permission doesn't even really exist, right? It's a mental construct. We we think that we, you know, like we'll catch ourselves saying, well, so what I, I guess what I need to do is just let them be who they're going to be or let them decide what they're going to decide as if we have that power, as if anyone else needs our permission, as if we could stop them, right? They're going to think that way or do that anyway, as well as ourselves. What I want to focus on today is the permission that we give ourselves and the permission that we accidentally seek for from others. So for example, if we have a way we are currently thinking or behaving, that we waited until we saw someone else doing it to give ourselves permission to do it, right? Or we, because that's getting permission from them in our brains, right? Again, this mental construct. They didn't actually give us permission, but once we saw that someone else loved that thing or did that thing or made that thing look normal or cool or appropriate, then we then now could do it as well ourselves. So I'm going to give you some specific examples. One of my favorite examples that has come up for me, now, I wouldn't say favorite example, but just an example that might be easy to understand is uh, I have five daughters and for whatever reason, we never went the route of them all being like in dance classes since they were little. We've done other extracurriculars. We've done some sports. We've done gymnastics. Uh, if they've been interested in something, we've typically tried it out. Uh, but I have lots and lots of friends whose daughters started in different kinds of dance classes when they were little and then stayed with that all the way up till now, you know, junior high, high school, whatever. And dancing is their thing and they're so good at it. And I have this little story in my head that girls should know how to dance. Girls should have done dance classes, except the problem is I don't want to do that. I didn't do that. I want my girls to try lots of things. And I want to say in this example, I am in no way saying that the route that people went, any route is wrong, right? The the path that mothers or parents put their daughters on to be in dance classes or that boys can't be in dance classes or anything. So please don't take any of that. I'm just giving you a glimpse into some stories that go on in my head. So there's part of me that likes the choices, a big part of me that likes the choices I made where sure, if they wanted to take like a ballet class, sure, let's do that. But it doesn't mean like that's what we do now all the way up. 
or if they wanted to try sport, we did that. Or if they wanted to do gymnastics, we did that. So we tried lots of things and didn't really like pick one thing and stick with it in, in particular dance. But then there's another part of me that sees the path that quite a few of my friends have done with their daughters of that dance path, right? Where they started when they were young and stayed in dance, even if they also tried other sports and things. I'm not saying they didn't do that. But now that they're older, they've done dance classes consistently all these years and they're so good at it and they're ready to like compete at the high school level. And my girls aren't. And so there's a part of me that thinks, oh, that's what I was supposed to do. That's what I was supposed to do with my five daughters. I've let them down. I didn't put them in dance and make them awesome dancers now. They can't, if, if they wanted to, they can't compete at that level. They don't have the experience. They don't have, they don't have that. So every once in a while, especially when I'm not managing my mind, I'm looking for permission for the path that I did to be okay. And so whenever I find another parent of daughters who didn't do the whole dance path, I feel so validated. And I say like, oh, see, so my choice that I made to not have my girls do it quite that way is valid. And I have permission to have done what I did. I mean, I already did it, right? So, you know, we can't even go back and change it. It's very silly what our brains do, but I love it. And I love understanding it. And I love being able to watch it. And so I am seeking for that permission from other people, either verbally or just by observing the choices they made as parents so that I can feel okay about the choices that I made. And when when I, it really, it's, it's so, it's such a fascinating example because I only think about it or worry about it or seek for the permission or question my choices when I'm looking out for the answers, when I'm looking out at what other people have done and when I'm paying really close attention to that. And that comparison, uh, it's a trap, right? It's a total trap. When I'm at home and I'm with my kids and I'm parenting, I just feel so great about my choices. And then when I'm out, my brain's like, oh, maybe we should have done that. Maybe what we did wasn't right. Maybe we should see if there's other parents that did what we did so we can see if we're okay, right? So then that's that seeking for permission. And the power is in giving yourself permission to have done what you did or to continue to do what you're doing or thinking or believing. If you like it, if you stand by it, it represents who you are, even when you're looking at other people and other examples of people who have done it differently than your, than what you've decided to do. And, and the bottom line of all of that is that there are so many right ways to do it. And our lower brain, want that's a scary concept for our lower brain. Our lower brain wants there to be like one right way and everything else is wrong, which doesn't even make sense because it's basically what other people are doing is the right way and what you did may be the wrong way. Like, let's worry about it. Let's think about it. So even that doesn't totally make sense. But when we understand this process and temptation and trap that we can fall into and understand that all we're looking for is permission, and that the power is to give ourselves that permission and that validation and not need it from others. We're going to get into that in just a minute of what that looks like, that that's all we need. We, this, this mental construct of permission feels so good to our brains. And another word for it is that validation. And we're seeking external validation. And that is a very draining, volatile, roller coastery process. But the validation we give ourselves is very steady and true and sustainable and like reliable, maybe is a good word for that, because we can always like we're always there with ourselves ready to give that validation, but we can't always access it in external sources. And it's often just very temporary and very unsteady, very unreliable, because as soon as we found one example that helps us feel more valid about the choices we made, then we can also just very easily find 10 other examples that don't validate the choices we made. And then all of a sudden we feel like we've lost our footing again. So I have a couple, I have a trick for you in this department and then like a couple other little examples, but Sometimes we have to play with our brain. We have to 
not trick it, but kind of work with it in a playful way. So one of my favorite ways to do that when I need to validate myself rather than just saying, so for this example of the, of the daughters in dance class, rather than just saying to myself, it's okay that you didn't put your daughters in dance class, Jesse. That is really all I need to hear. But sometimes my lower brain is like, I'm not so sure. I see a lot of your friends with daughters in dance classes. You know, uh, I need to say something that's a little bit more compelling and a little bit more, I don't know if powerful is the right word, but just my lower brain has to also believe it. So my favorite way to do that is I pretend that I read, I'm, I'm making it up, you guys, and, and my brain is okay with that. I pretend that a new study was just released, like studies show. And I would say, guess what, lower brain? I don't say it quite like that, but you know, they just released this new study and studies show that daughters who took dance class from when they were young till, till high school and daughters who didn't take dance class from when they were young till high school are equally as happy and successful in life, equally as fulfilled, all had the childhoods they were meant to have. You know, studies are showing this now. And my lower brain, even though I'm totally lying and tricking myself, my lower brain's like, oh, that's good to know. Good to know that studies show that what we're doing and what they're doing are both completely valid and uh, healthy and successful parenting choices to have made for, for our children. Because the, the, the decisions we make, like we don't want to just discount our, our brain's worries in this moment because the decisions that we make for our children, that is a big responsibility. They're not quite old enough to choose for themselves. And so we are setting their path at this age, especially when they're really little, right? We have that. That's a, that's a really important and weighty responsibility to say like, you're not quite ready to choose for yourself or even tell me what you would love to do. And so I'm going to make some choices for you and hope that I did it right. And so it really makes a lot of sense that we could be worried. Like, did I choose wrong? Should I have done it differently? Even though we can't go back and change it, our brain is still going to say, did I handle that responsibility right? So that's, it's a really valid concern and it just doesn't need to dictate what we do or ruin our lives today, like make us miserable today. We just want to find a way to stand by the choices we made. Or even if we made a choice that now we know maybe wasn't the best for our kid or didn't represent us as the parent we wanted to be for whatever reason, we can also just forgive ourselves for that, right? And, and have compassion and understanding for the choices we made at that time knowing like that was all the information that we had. Like we might realize like, oh, I made him do, um, you know, ice skating for three years until they were finally old enough to say like, I hate this mom. Can we quit or whatever? And then, and then you switched them to soccer and dance, or, you know, again, like these extracurriculars, it's just an example. Right. And, and now they are thriving and they love it. And you're thinking you could think, right. It's available to think like, oh, we wasted all that time and money in those years on ice skating. And I just chose it for him and they, they didn't even love it. And it wasn't their thing. And now we found their thing or whatever. Right. But you can choose in that moment to just forgive yourself. So basically in today's moment, when we're thinking about the past, when we're having thoughts today about thing, choices that were made in the past, right? We give ourselves permission to love the choice we made, or we give ourselves permission to let go and forgive the choice we made if we now know with new information that that wasn't the, the best choice for our child. So I'm going to give you a couple more examples where this, this might show up. Anytime you're feeling, you're, you're in that comparison trap, or you're feeling just out of balance, or maybe resentful, or you're just questioning things, or you're feeling unsteady, you want to just back up a little bit and see what story is bringing those feelings up for you. What are you thinking about that's bringing up those uh, feelings for you that aren't that are uncomfortable and typically pretty miserable? And then offer yourself this trick of, oh, studies show. So let me give you an example. 
sometimes we might feel a little bit of resentment either one way or the other for having like a deployed service member whose job is harder. It's a, it's a pointless argument to have because both jobs are really, really hard. And often, depending on your marriage, right? One partner might say, oh, your job is so much harder. And then you might be thinking, oh, I'm, I'm home here. Like your job is so much harder. And if And in other marriages, it might be like, hey, don't complain. My job out here is so hard. Or hey, don't complain. My job here is so hard. Like Either way, we sometimes we can end up in that argument, or even even if we don't talk about it with our spouse, we might just be thinking it. Like my job here is so much harder. Sometimes deployments are really, really hard, like challenging living conditions, cha- a challenging job, and sometimes they're a little cushy. I hope it's okay that I say that, but there are some assignments where uh, the food is good, the housing's good, the technology's good, so like communication is good. And you're, if you're the spouse at home while your service member is away and they're, they're not struggling, which we're happy about. There's a huge part of our brain that we are really, really happy that they are not suffering and struggling on their deployment. But there is also a part of our brain. And it's important to just acknowledge and validate. There's a part of our brain saying, like, I am slogging it away at home here with work and kids and throw up and chores and diapers and daycare and everything and they just get to go to the gym for three hours at night and get to choose whatever they want to watch and don't have to cook their own food. And, don't, you know, like, and there's just that resentment that can build up. So whatever you need to validate yourself in that moment, you can obviously just offer it to yourself in a very straightforward way of like, thank goodness there's me to do this hard work, to make this sacrifice for our family, for our marriage, to take care of my kids in this way, in this way I want to take care of them, to make it possible for my husband to do this part in his career, whatever. Like, thank goodness there's me. That feels really good. That really helps my resentment. But if you want to try this study show trick, you could say, studies show that women who stay home with the family while her partner is deployed live longer or just like, like again, play with it. Find something that would make you smile in that moment rather than just going all the way to that resentment. Find something that would empower you in that moment. Like I, I remember I read something that was actually like a study put out saying, like I was needing some validation about being like a stay-at-home mom. And it was saying like, if you were to pay women for every, for every like a pay a stay-at-home mom for every job they do, it would cost like this much money. And it was more than my husband was even making at the time. Like he's out working, providing for our family. I'm home with all the kids. And it's like, if you were to pay a chef and a house cleaner and a chauffeur and daycare and, you know, all the things that we end up doing as stay-at-home parents, um, that would value at this much. And I remember feeling so validated in that moment. So that's kind of a similar, like find those, find those little games to play with your brain that brings that genuine. It may be a game, but it brings that genuine validation to basically give yourself permission to lean into and love and believe in what you're doing and why, and to pull you away from that resentment and to fill you up with empowerment and confidence and validation and permission, permission to be who you are, do what you're doing, feel what you're feeling and think what you're thinking. And sometimes that's what we're seeking out. And then at other moments, just like I just did a few minutes ago where I said, it's very valid that we're worried about the dance choices we make for our kids. Right? That's a valid concern. I'm validating myself kind of like in the depths in that moment, but then I'm also validating saying, I love the choice I made. And I'm bringing myself back to that empowered place. So kind of check in with yourself on what kind of validation that you're needing when you're catching yourself in that resentment or wherever you are to say like, it's very valid that what I'm doing is so hard. And right now to my eyes, what he's doing is quite easy and he's away and I'm here and this is so hard. And, you know, kind of validate yourself in that moment. We don't want to necessarily like indulge or overindulge and get into that victim place. 
We don't want to feel like victims. That feels terrible. But we do want to validate and say, like, no matter how awesome I am, this is really, really hard, right? And kind of sit with yourself in that moment and get that validation. And then when you feel ready, say, now I'm ready to feel empowered and just like a wonder woman who can just do all this and feel so strong and capable and then and then validate and empower yourself that way and give yourself permission to just knock it out of the park because that feels so good. So that's kind of that little journey you can go on in that in that kind of moment. I want to reemphasize that comparison is just really, really adds to this. We typically don't struggle to give ourselves permission to feel what we're feeling when we're just with ourselves, inside ourselves. But the problem is in this world we live in, we are so aware of what is going on. Well, we think we're aware, right? We're semi-aware and we also make things up and we also only get a glimpse of what's going on for other people. But we, we're pretty aware of what's going on in other people's marriages, what's going on in other people's closets, what's going on in other people's chore charts, what's going on in other people's bank accounts. Like Again, we don't actually know we know so much of it is either just a glimpse or even completely made up, but we use all that against ourselves anyway. So it's just very good to know that my brain gets into that comparison trap so quickly and so easily, whether it's actual data or false data, I'm just going to use all that against me. So I'm going to be careful about what I consume and and I'm going to surround myself with people who who make it easy for me to validate the choices for myself that that I make for myself. I have a little example of that. I had a dear friend come to me and say, you know, we were just having a normal conversation and she dropped into the conversation. Well, I don't make dinner, like homemade dinner seven nights a week like you do. And I was like, oh, do I make dinner seven nights a week? Like this is news to me. <laughs> and she's like, well, I just see you posting pictures of your dinner and your food on, on Instagram or whatever. And I love to cook and I love to take pictures of food and I love to talk about food. And I probably cook three or four nights a week. And then we have leftovers a couple of nights. And then we often maybe we'll go out to eat once a week. Sometimes not, maybe, you know, but we do leftovers a ton at my house. Like when I cook, I often make a big meal so that we can all eat it again a different night that week. And I didn't have to cook again. I love to cook, but I don't, I do not cook seven nights a week. And if you cook seven nights a week, amazing. But it's interesting to see how her brain filled that in of, I see her post meal pictures or talk about food, you know, a few times a month on her Instagram. So she must cook seven nights a week and I don't, what's wrong with me? You know, and she took that and used that against herself. So we just want to be really, really careful with the comparison in that we use it against ourselves, right? So we bring ourselves down that way and it's not always true. And then also we're waiting to see it in other people. We're waiting for that permission for uh, from others. And, and sometimes, like typically not, but sometimes it's verbal permission. Like you get to think and feel what you want to feel. Like someone else might say that to us. That's not often how it comes. It's often we want to visually see them doing it or, or see them saying it on social media or to someone else of like, this is a valid choice. Then we have permission to feel like our choice is valid. And so that's, that's a really tricky, slippery slope when we're waiting on that permission from others. And so basically what that boils down to is if somehow we had no idea what was going on in other people's homes and families and relationships, we would just more easily give ourselves permission. Sometimes I'll talk to my mom about that. You know, before when she was parenting, there was no social media, there was no Pinterest, there was no, you know, for good or bad. I'm not trying to villainize those things because so much good comes from that, but it also can be that tool of comparison, right? That, that comes in so easily. And I'll say like, did you ever struggle with this decision of like what extracurricular activity to put your kids into? And she's like, not really. I, I didn't even know what my, what my friends' kids were involved in. And so I just chose what felt good for me and our family and what was a good fit for our budget and our personalities and our schedule. And I thought, oh, that sounds nice to just like only factor those things in and not 
repeatedly be tempted to really weigh in what other people are doing. Okay, so a point that I want to emphasize here is we've talked about waiting for others to give us permission and it's what it's what we accidentally want. We we wouldn't say it that way. We we don't this is why it's important to kind of identify this pattern because it doesn't feel like that's what we're doing. So I want to you know this is kind of sneaky. You wouldn't walk up to someone and be like, well, I'm just waiting for someone to tell me I can feel good about this. Like you wouldn't say it that way, but that is what we're doing in a sneaky way. And so that's why you want to identify like when you're feeling not good about something kind of why. And typically it's, oh, because I saw this person or, oh, because I haven't ever seen anybody doing this or, you know, oh, because I should be thinking this way. And that just has so much to do with what we believe should be happening, what we see other people doing, right? And and it's, it's all sneaky. And what I want to add here is that the power, the ultimate like power, empowerment, sustainability we talked about comes from us giving ourselves permission. That's where all the power lies. But at the same time, we are human. I love to acknowledge this part of it because I don't want you to stop wanting, that's the key word there. I don't want you to stop wanting validation and permission from others because that's, that's a human piece of you. We're not robots, right? We're not perfect. We're not just above it all, right? We have a lower brain and we always will. And your lower brain will always want validation and permission from other people. Even that study show trick is someone else telling me it's okay to feel that way. I just made it up, right? There are no studies talking about if you put your kid in dance and if you didn't, I just made up that study. So I'm still working with my lower brain in that moment, right? So I want you to know you don't have to stop seeking for validation from other people, but I need you to want it instead of need it. When we need the validation from other people, that's when we're on very unsteady ground and it's very unreliable like we talked about. But when we just want it, when it's the frosting and we We've made sure to take care of our needs, which are the cupcake, and our we need our own permission and we need our own validation. And that is always available to us. And then we just let ourselves want some external validation. And that way, whether we get it or not, we're totally okay. But we don't need to beat ourselves up for still wanting someone else to say like, everything you just said is so valid. Or I do that too. I've felt that way as well. Like I know I wonder if you guys have experienced this as well, but when I'll be, you know, chatting with a friend or venting to someone or they're venting to me and having, or having an emotional conversation and someone says like, I feel that way too, or this happened to me. And the other person says, that makes me feel so good that you just said that because now I know I'm not alone. Like we are humans and a very crucial, critical human piece of us is to not feel like we're alone, to have that evidence in front of us that other people struggle the way we do, feel the way we do. Not, not, we don't need everyone to, but we need to know that some people out there have. And so I don't want you to ever beat yourself up for still seeking that validation and that external confirmation of, of your feelings and who you are and that permission, but make sure it's at the want level, not the need level. And just say like, I love to get validation from others. I want it. I want it whenever it's available, but I never need it because I've already validated myself. I've already given myself permission And now I can just seek for it at the frosting level, at the want level. And when I get it, it just feels so good, but I didn't need it. It didn't, it didn't solve my problem. It just was some delicious frosting on top. That is, that is the secret formula right there. So I want to make sure that you guys understand that. Another trick that I have for you. Trick is a weird word. That's not, that's not really the word I want you to use, but it's kind of like a a tip, a game, a powerful, anyway, I call it a trick, but I'm not trying to trick my own brain, but it just, I love having all these little tools and tricks that I use to help my brain in any given moment with whatever particular thing that it's working on. So if this area is something that you're working on, 
another trick that I have for you, because it is a skill to validate yourself in a way that you actually like believe and accept, especially if it were not practiced at it. And so one of my favorite ways to practice this art form and skill of validating myself, it usually means I need to say something to myself that will be compelling and powerful and believable. And I can't, my brain, if like, if I try to just lie to my brain and just say like, you're fine, everything's good, no problem, you're perfect, whatever. Like I don't, those will feel like lies and my brain won't accept it. And I need to be able to say something very compelling to my brain in this moment to help it feel validated, right? To take care of that cupcake. And my favorite trick that I love to do with myself and I offer this to my clients is to ask yourself, what would I say to a friend? If I had a friend call me up or come to my house and present me with the same issue that I'm sitting here with in myself. Say it's the example that we used earlier where, you know, your husband is away for an extended amount of time, your, your service members deployed. And again, even though we're like, he's maybe in a place where he's not struggling and we don't want them to struggle. We're happy they're not struggling. And sometimes they are struggling. And that is its own kind of hard for both of you. But in this scenario, it's a, it's a easier deployment, let's say circumstantially, not necessarily, you know, okay. And you're at home doing your best and some days doing great and some days struggling and your friend, so sorry, your friend is doing this, right? Your friend comes to you and says, my husband is deployed and I miss him and it's so hard. But when he calls me and said, oh, I just went to the gym and I just went to a restaurant and I just went to, you know, and I'm here taking care of my three-year-old with a stomach bug and so she's home from preschool and I can't go to work and and there's bills and responsibilities and stress and and he's over there and it feels like he's so carefree besides of course he's you know missing his family and and all the things and i'm really really struggling with this i'm struggling with resentment so your friend comes over and basically says to you the exact thing that you're saying to yourself right now like i'm struggling with this so much what would you say to her and i want you to really really picture a specific friend who can fit this problem, right? Who may, someone that you love and you care for and w- she would feel very safe bringing her problems to you. Because that there's, you know, we don't always feel safe bringing, especially like our problems where maybe a little bit ashamed of the, the feelings can bring up some shame and, or they may not, you know, they may not understand military life. So don't picture that friend, picture a friend who understands military life, who even if her husband's not deployed right now, her husband has been deployed. So she gets that, Right. And she says this problem to you. What would you say to her? And those words, that message, you, I am sure if, I've, if, if you're doing what I've just described, that you would give her so much love and compassion and validation and care and tenderness and support, right? You would just say all the things of like, of course, you're struggling. This is so hard. Of course, you miss him. But and of course, you're also like a little resentful that you have so much on your plate. And it really feels like he does not have much on his plate right now besides being away from the family. And you would just help them really sit with that and validate what they were feeling. Give the, You would give her permission to feel what she was feeling, which is exactly, those words exactly are the ones that you need to say to yourself in this moment. And it's not always easy. It takes some practice to learn how to speak to yourself. Like you're not, you know, not necessarily out loud, but you can, that can be helpful but to validate yourself and to give yourself the message and the words that you would so easily give someone else. And that is what you're needing in those moments. And then again, once you've validated those feelings and then your friend or you, right, are ready to pull yourself out of that place. We don't want to, we want to stay there as long as we need to without going to that victim place. We just want to validate and support and have compassion for where we're at, validate 
those hard negative feelings. And then when we're ready or when your friend's ready, we're going to say, now he's still gone four more months. How do you want to feel? What do you want to be doing? Like, let's access our inner powerhouse of how amazing we are at taking care of these kids and juggling all the things. And you know what I mean? And then just go for that. Whatever you would say to your friend to pep talk her and inspire her and empower her in that moment. Again, those are the exact words that you need to be saying to yourself and not just like once on a regular basis, like day in, day out, multiple times a day. It's a little bit, it's like kind of like a mantra or kind of it's that inner pep talk. So one example that I have of this is when my husband was deployed in 2018, we had two, we had six kids, but two of them were very little. And that was so hard. That was so hard. And some days were fine and some days were extra hard. And I was just thinking about how hard it was for me, right? So it, it can look so different depending on where you're at and who you are. You're not necessarily comparing your life to his. Sometimes you're just looking at your life saying, this is too much for one person. And that was the story that I would tell myself quite a bit of like, this is too much for one person. I need my person back. Like parenting is a two person job. And I would think that a lot. And even though every day I did all the things, I just felt stretched past my limit, like too little butter spread over too much bread. And I would drop the balls I was juggling. Most of the time I was able to pretty well do what I needed to do. And I, I had definitely had some help and support, which was awesome. So, so awesome. But it didn't really matter how much help and support I had. My brain was very into this story of parenting is a two-person job. I had these kids with another person so that the two of us could raise these children. One person is not enough. This is a two-person job. And although that is a valid feeling and a valid uh, place to be, and I needed to validate myself in those moments, and I did sometimes, I wish that I had maybe a little bit more, but mostly what I needed to do the, I, I wasn't um, a life coach at this time. and wasn't, I, well, I was just kind of learning about it. So anyway, mostly what I did was pep talk myself, which is also very powerful. I wish I had the two steps going where I validated myself more where I was at and then pep talk myself, but it's okay. I mostly just pep talk myself. And here's what I would do to pep talk myself. I had kind of a two step pep talk process that I just programmed in my head and I would be changing a diaper and I would start to think this is too much for one person. And I'd be like, wait a minute. So step one of my pep talk was I pretended, I made it up <laughs> that somebody up high, really smart, had interviewed all these women, really awesome, powerful women to see who could do this job of raising these six kids by herself for a year. Like it had nothing to do with weddings. And it just was, it was like, I turned my mothering job into like a higher outable job. And out of all these women, I was the most qualified and they picked me to do this exact task before me. Solo parenting for a year, six kids, two of them, two and under, right? Two of them were little. And they looked at all my experience and all my qualifications and looked at all the experience and qualifications of all these amazing women. And out of everybody, I was chosen. I was hired for this position. So that made me feel very qualified, very capable. It made me feel like the best one for the job. And it took me out of that victim place of like this stuff was put upon me. Instead, it was like, I put my hat in the ring. I put my resume in the pile because I wanted this job. I was hoping that they would look at everyone and pick me and they did. Lucky me, right? So that was the first part that really helped. And then the second part was I would literally hum or think or sing the Rocky theme song in my head. Dun, 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 d
dun, 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 dun. you know, okay, you're with me. And like, it, it honestly had like a physical effect in my body of just like getting the boxing gloves on. And so basically it was whenever I needed to pet myself up to take on another diaper or if someone threw up or a ride I wasn't expecting to have to give someone. If I was ever just like, this is too much. When that line would come up too much from a person, I would say, but they chose me and I'm the one. And I would sing the Rocky song and I would imagine myself like getting ready to go in the ring and like the parenting ring and it's me. And I would honestly like physically shift mentally and physically with that two-pronged pep talk to be like, there is no one in the world better than me to go change this diaper, to go give this ride, to go make this meal. Like I'm in, tag me in, you know, like it's like they were tagging me and I'm in the ring and I do the thing and I high five myself and I am just the champion. Like anyway, that's a little insight into what goes on in my brain sometimes because I want to feel so capable and so like the one for the job. And that little two-part pep talk really helped me. So try it on, make up your own. I highly recommend it. It was it was a game changer for me. Okay, my last tip for you in this episode. This is next level stuff. So do not worry if you're not here yet. The next level of harnessing this permission concept, of really understanding that it doesn't even exist, mental construct, and yet it's important to our lower brain. Once we've harnessed it for ourselves, and that's the most important thing is knowing how to give ourselves the permission we're seeking. The next thing I want you to do is give other people permission to do and be and think exactly what they're doing and being and thinking right now. And this is not like what, what you're going to be tempted to think, particularly. So we obviously don't need to do this with people that we're not struggling with. Typically, it's people that we're struggling with. We're struggling with the way they show up in the world. We're struggling with the way they speak to us. We're struggling with the choices they make, right? For whatever reason, this could be a coworker. This could be a you know, someone in your family, right? It could be a friend. It could be anybody. And for whatever reason, we're struggling with them and the way they're showing up in the world. And to give them permission to do that thing while still taking really good care of ourselves. If there's something that we are not okay with, then we need to put in a layer of of a boundary that says like, if you do this, then here's how I'll take care of me. We don't need to ever stop them from doing the thing they're doing. But if they decide to do that thing, here's how you're going to take care of me. And then you give them permission to be exactly who they are. And your lower brain is going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're just letting them off the hook for bad behavior if we give them permission to be exactly who they are, which is comical, but a valid point. It's comical because we, whether we give them permission or not, they're going to do it, right? So that's the comical part. But it's a valid point because our brain is looking out for us. Our lower brain is trying to keep us safe. And it has categorized this behavior or this way of thinking as dangerous. And it's not dangerous. And we need to reassure ourselves that it's actually not dangerous. Here's what I'm going to do to take care of me. And then I'm going to stop trying to think that they should be different and that I need to change them or I need to stop them. And all of this is not letting them off the hook for bad behavior. It's letting you off the hook for suffering needlessly, right? It's, it's a way of taking care of you. All of it, letting someone else off the hook, giving someone else permission to be who they're being, setting up boundaries that take care of you. All of that is a gift you give yourself. And that is, that's the next level of this permission concept. So I just want to put that out there in case you want to work on that at some point, but definitely start, focus, focus on permission to yourself. That's, that's where the most powerful work is to be done, especially immediately. And, and you can start working on it right away. So that is what I have for you today. Are you ready to take what you are learning here on this podcast to the next level? Then let's work together. I would be honored to be your life coach and help you create the life you dream about by focusing on what is always in your control, your mindset. 
Are you ready for everything in your life to feel different and better without needing to change any of your circumstances? Then schedule a free call with me by going to my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.